0: Okay, if you will, please direct your attention. Yeah! <laughs> so, traffic. I had Sky make this uh, yes. on purpose this week because when I look at this, hey, I get angry. So, guys, yeah! yeah. Woo! Yeah. yeah. No, for real though, this is amazing. I love it so much. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, nothing makes me happier, actually, to make a fool of myself. So, that's perfect. So, no, um, to kind of jump in this week, guys, I'm super stoked to continue our series in Jonah with you guys. I'm talking about anger this week. Um, so before me, though, we had Zeke and Alex share some awesome, awesome words about. Um, first, Alex shared with us about pride, right? The story of Jonah and how he had pride, and kind of what that looked like in the story and the narrative, and how we're supposed to see that and either learn from it or grow from it. But the most important thing I think that Alex said is this really got to the point of the matter was that when we have pride, it's when our ego is kind of replacing the position of what God's space should be in our lives, right? When We put ourselves or our opinions or our thoughts above what we should be giving to God, right? What his thoughts are. And so we wanted to get rid of that, right? We looked at that. and We saw Jonah struggle with that. Um, the next week, Zeke kind of talked about the opposite of that, right? He talked about trust and what it looks like to have trust in our lives, completely giving it to God and understanding that whatever happens in our lives, God has already prepared a way for us to either deal with it, overcome it, or go through it. Um, and it's so important for us to understand that, you know again, from Jonah's example, when we try to do things our way, it doesn't always work out. You get eaten by a fish and thrown out. It's really gross. So just don't, right? Trust God the first time. Learn the lesson the first time. Don't be like me, who's learned every lesson in your life the hard way. Or if you have, learned from it. Grow from it, right? Put your trust in God. And then finally, that brings us to this week. Like I said, we're talking about anger. We're talking about um, anger in the sense that We can look at Jonah's life, we can see his reaction to some of the things that God asked him to do, some of the things that he did in his life, Um, and again, we need to look at this and learn how we can grow from it, how we can take it away from, and learn, and apply it to our lives, right? The whole point of this message has been to look at Jonah and understand, like, there's a bigger message here, and there's something that applies to us. Alright, so, before we get any further, I want to pray because I need some prayer, and then also try really hard not to look at this all night, Right. Do me a favor, just don't. (laughs) No, it's pretty good, guys. Father God, thank you so much again for tonight. Thank you for a safe place to come and worship you, uh, not just with song, Jesus, but with community, with yep. godly, beautiful community. And I thank you so much for all these people who are here tonight, giving up time in their Tuesday night, um, hopefully not giving it up, but enjoying it. Father, yep. coming here to be a part of a godly community that loves each other yep. and then loves you by doing so. God, we thank you so much again for a safe place to do this. God, I lift up... Myself tonight, selfishly, I want to make sure that my words are not heard, but yours are, God, that every word that comes out of my mouth is for you and for your kingdom, Mm -hmm. not for my glory, but for yours, but then also that it's clear, that it's understood, that people's lives can be changed from even the smallest thing, Mm -hmm. Jesus, things that I have not considered, you have considered, and things that people need to hear tonight, they're going to hear it, and I ask that that's the case. I pray that over myself, I pray that over small groups, God, I thank you so much for everybody's willingness to be open and vulnerable, and sometimes we wrestle with this, but God, it is so rewarding and so good when we do, when we have trust in you and your people and each other and understand what real love looks like, and we thank you so much that we get to do that here. Mm-hmm. Be of tonight, help us have fun, get us ready for bowling. It's your name, we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> Alright, excellent. So, Talking about anger in Jonah, I want you guys, if you have your Bibles or your phones with the Bible app, um, we're going to be looking at kind of the tail end of Jonah chapter 3 and then the majority of chapter 4. Um, I'm kind of going to wrap up a little bit of the story, but from one perspective, and that is from anger, right? Alex is going to share again with us next week, I'm um, talking about unconditional love and the importance that plays in this story, and I cannot <coughs> wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Um, but this week we're talking about anger. So if you'll look with me, Jonah chapter 3. Um, I'm kind of going to be all over the place, so if you guys will just track with me. Um, last week, Z kind of filled us in with, you know, again, Jonah learning this lesson the hard way. He should have just trusted God from the get-go and done what he was called to do, but instead he didn't. He, was, he ran away from God. He was tossed overboard when a storm came and it was his fault. He was eaten by a fish. He was thrown up by said fish right at the place where he was trying to run away from because that's how God works. But Jonah was repentant, right? He was He was disobedient in the beginning. And he was repentant in the fish and decided, you know what, this isn't worth it. God, I'm sorry. Let me be used by you. I promise that I will do your will. And he does. He goes to Nineveh and he he shares this message. And this message (laughs) is um, short and sweet, is one way to put it. But he says, this is what he says to the people in Nineveh. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's all he says. And he's still coming from this perspective that I I hate these people, and I don't want them to have a good message from God. So I'm going to just tell them this. I'm going to say, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, what Jonah didn't expect was that God still works through that. Amen? God still works through this situation, and he used the message that Jonah brought to change the hearts of the Ninevites. And that was something that happened from the beginning of Jonah's message to the people around him so much so that it spread to the king of Nineveh. The king of Nineveh hears this, and he repents. He calls the entire city into a place of repentance, telling them, wear nothing but rags. Turn from your evil ways. Don't enjoy the pleasures of life until we have repented from our sins, and we are back on track with God. And so this happens, right? And God sees this, and he, it says at the end of chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, the Ninevites, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened through Jonah, right? Now, here's where it gets good. Jonah's reaction to this. The title of chapter four cracks me up. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, really? That's, that's your reaction. But here's the deal. I'm going to give you guys some scenarios, and we're going to wrestle with this and realize this isn't so far-fetched, especially for Jonah and for his... Context and what he thought, um, but to give you guys kind of a fill in for that, Jonah was angry. Right, he was an Israelite. He was a prophet, and he was given the responsibility of going to Nineveh, this wicked, evil, horrible city, to tell them to repent, to change their ways, and to turn to God. And he does this, and they do, and he's upset about it because these people, his his people, the Israelites hate these people just as much, right? They all detest the the Ninevites because they're known for their evil ways. They don't want God's mercy to be shown to these evil people who have lived their entire lives as evil people, whereas, you know, God's people, they've received their promise. They've received their paradise in their relationship with God, and they don't think it should belong to Nineveh, who's just awful and miserable and terrible. So, Jonah's response. (coughs) Jonah... To this, Jonah seemed very it seemed very wrong, so he became angry. This is the beginning of chapter 4. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So Jonah, again, is saying the very thing that he said at the beginning when God told him, hey, go to Nineveh and give this message to these people. God was like, he gave Noah... Noah? Well, Jonah, this message runs Jonah this message. And Jonah's first reaction was, again, it was anger, it was pride, it was like, you know what? No, they don't deserve this. I don't want to do this. I'm running away from this situation. So, but as we saw, he was tossed overboard, eaten by fish, thrown up by the fish, but yet somehow this still isn't clicking for Jonah. He hears this message, he... They, the people hear this message, they repent, Jonah sees this, and he gets angry, and then he says, God told you, I told you you were going to have grace on these people. Cool, man, yeah, got God. <laughs> so he's upset because God followed through, and Jonah knew that this is the character of God. This is what God is known for, is grace and love and compassion. And he's pissed because he's giving it to these evil, wicked people. So I knew, this is Jonah again, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Are you serious? (laughs) This is like the tantruming of a four-year-old. I'd rather be dead than go to my room. Like, this is stupid. He's literally telling God, I would rather be dead than to watch this city of people turn to you and be repentant for their sin. That is literally what Jonah just said. And my favorite thing about this is God's response. In my eyes, I would be the angry parent who just like, smacks the crap out of my kids like are you serious no absolutely not but God doesn't do that he says is it right for you to be angry and I like to picture this as like Jonah come on dude like are you really angry about this are you really upset about this and he is so Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city and there he made made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city okay so still he's not getting it he's like maybe he'll change his mind. They're going to blow up any second now. No, he literally is just ignoring the words that God God is giving him. So, to kind of step away from scripture now to talk about the message, I want you guys to track with me a little bit over some questions. So, my first question is, what is Jonah angry about? We kind of already talked about it. The whole point is that angry Jonah is angry about God having compassion on these people that he didn't think they deserved it, right? He doesn't think these people deserve God's forgiveness. Now, do we ever do this? Again, I'm talking about practical things to take from this story. And it hopefully would not... It wouldn't turn into you see somebody, you know they don't have Jesus, you want to give them Jesus, so you you give them the gospel, they repent, they give their lives to Jesus, and then you get pissed. (laughs) Right? That doesn't make sense. Even just saying it out loud seems silly. I don't think that's something we would do. But... I do think that this anger that Jonah's experiencing is something that we can relate to in other ways. Um, And that being said, there's another story in the Bible that I think most of you guys have heard that kind of talks about this on a more practical level, right? Um, Zeke was going through his message and sharing some stuff from it with me, and he talked about this in his message, just in his commentary of the Bible passage that he was reading in Jonah. He made this comparison, and I thought, absolutely, this is being used. So the analogy is, the comparison is, <clears throat> Jonah's story of anger and the prodigal son specifically the older brother and the prodigal son story and if you guys aren't familiar I feel like most of you guys are familiar with that story um, it's a story of two brothers and a father and the younger brother tells his dad I want my inheritance now so I can leave this place and go live my life now contextually speaking in this culture he basically just told his father go die, give me my money, let me get out of here Because to get an inheritance, you're getting the inheritance from your father who is passing on and giving you his property and things. Well, the son didn't want to wait for his dad to die, so he said, give me your money now so I can get out of here. And he left. He went. Now, lots of things happen. He wastes all, all his money on gambling, prostitutes, and ridiculous living. And then gets to the point where he is no better than pigs living in slump, and decides to go home and beg his father to accept him back as a slave, not even as a son, just as a slave so he can have a place to live and to eat and sleep. And as most of us know, and hopefully all of you guys know, the father does not treat him as a slave. What happens? He gets home, and the father sees him, and he runs out to him. He runs out to meet him, scoops him up in his arms, and says, my son is home. You have come home. Now, that's the story of the prodigal son, but something less known about this story is the reaction of this, this kid's older brother, right? i want to read it for you guys. In Luke chapter 15, verses 28 and 32, if you want to track along, it's the end of the story of the prodigal son. This is, again, a parable that Jesus is sharing with the people around him. So Luke 15, 28 through 32. It says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in to the party which they were throwing a party. The father threw a celebration for the son who returned. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you never gave me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours "'who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, "'you killed a fattened calf for him. "'My son,' the father said, "'you are always with me, "'and everything I have is yours.' But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He, uh, he was lost and now is found. So what I want us to see here, the, whole, the, the big takeaway in this comparison is this. We need to separate the human view and apply the godly view. Yeah. The human view <clears throat> <throat> for us in these situations is what I like to call fairness toss it out the window, because it doesn't exist. It's not a thing, and if it was, we would all be in the dangers of the fires of hell. And let me explain to you why that seems harsh and crazy, but really, was it fair when Jesus died on the cross for us? No. Did we get what we deserved when we were given the opportunity to fall into grace, to be given a second chance at eternity with Jesus Christ? No. Not in the slightest. And yet, so many of us, and I am... Preaching to the choir, guys, this is my one of my biggest deals. When I was a kid, I was a butthole to people. I was like, oh, he didn't hit the tee ball right. He's out. He's out. I'm like four years old screaming at the coaches. Just go, Nick, get back to the Like this was me. Fairness was everything to me. And it's still, I find myself falling into this all the time where I'm so concerned with what's fair, what's right. And that's just not where our our priorities need to lie. It's not about the fairness. But so often our anger is fueled by this sense of fairness. And when I say fairness, I don't mean justice, right? Justice was given to us by Christ through his death on the cross. We received justice, but not the justice we deserved, right? Fairness is not the case here. Fairness is not, it's not real. We tell kids all the time, is life fair? No, it's not. And praise God for that, because if it was, we would all be in a much worse place than we are right now. So... When we talk about this, having a a human view, we need to separate our human view and apply the godly view here. In the story of the prodigal son, this depiction here that Jesus is trying to give the people that he's talking to in this parable is God the Father running to us, celebrating us when we give our lives back to him, when we give our lives to Jesus. And then the perspective of the brother being, okay, well, put it in this perspective. like Let's say I am... I am. I'm a homeschool kid who's been in church my entire life, and I have never been outside of the church, if that makes sense, right? I've, always, I've been raised on Jesus. And then a, this kid that I've known my entire life, right? This kid that I went to school with later on, because I was homeschooled, The story's already falling apart. <laughs> this kid who I've seen in my neighborhood is a total jerk to everybody he meets. He's a horrible human being. He lies, he cheats, he steals. He's a terrible person. Later on in life, maybe I come and pass again with him and I find out that he's given his life to Christ. He has completely changed his entire life 180. but I still know all that horrible thing, all the horrible things that he used to do, all the horrible things he used to be, right? Is it fair for me to be upset with him, to be angry at him? It's not about fairness, right? He was given the same grace that I was given and you know heaven was celebrating when that kid gave yeah. his life to Christ. No matter where we are, no matter how I don't care if you're on your deathbed and you've lived an entire life of sin, this isn't an excuse for us to just party and go crazy till we die. That's not the point. The point is God's love, his power is all-encompassing and for every single person. Mm-hmm. So for us to get angry, if somebody gives their life to Christ, really think that through. But even in the small things, like when we talk about fairness and things that impact us and how we let things impact us. That leads to our to our next question that I want to ask you guys, what are we doing with our anger? Right? So, what are we angry about? It's a good question. And then what are we doing with that anger? There are two types of anger, righteous anger and unrighteous anger. 9 times out of 10, we probably are experiencing um, unrighteous anger. And I don't think that anger is necessarily the core issue here. When we talk about anger, what are we angry about? What's making us angry again, and what are we doing with that anger? I think emotions happen. Things, like we feel things towards people, right? And I'm not going to for a second say that it's okay to be angry with somebody and just internally feel that. Jesus told us that even when you feel that anger internally and you have hate towards somebody, it's like you've already killed them, like when we talked about that in Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes. The point here is, what are we doing with our anger and how are we letting it impact us personally, right? It matters, obviously, what we do to others and what we say to others, but also, what is your anger doing to yourself? That's a hard question, but what is your anger doing to yourself? Um, my last kind of big thing here for tonight with anger is this and this kind of grasps everything, every aspect of anger. So when we talk about what are we angry about, what are we doing with our anger, is it causing us to sin, is it causing us to be selfish or chase after fairness, ridiculously so, um, how do we have righteous anger? How do we approach anger in the sense that, yeah, anger happens, we get angry about things, but are we getting angry about the right things? And here's kind of my super Sunday school answer to this. Um, We need to do a handful of things, and the big header here, if, you, if you're taking notes or if you want to, um, is the closer you are to God, the better your discernment will be. I'm going to say that again. The closer you are to God, the better your discernment will be. And I say that because, especially when we talk about anger and the things that we get angry about, if you're close to God and have a lens of life that you're looking through, it's Jesus as your lens that you see things through, your, your anger will not have the impact on you that it could if you were letting it be completely unrighteous, if you were letting yourself be fueled by this anger and letting it impact you versus having the discernment of God, being close to Him. And here's my Sunday school list of things to do. Read your Bible, okay? It's God's Word. And I know a lot of the time in our culture, especially, people look at Scripture and they say, you know what? It's a really cool list of rules, a really cool history book about Christianity and stuff. no. This is the living, breathing word of God that applies to us now, today. Like, I wouldn't be reading you the story of Jonah, some old dude who was a prophet for the Israelites who went to this random city full of awful people, if it didn't matter, right? Like, if it didn't have bearance on today, right now. And this is just a snippet of it, talking about anger. We've talked about two other full messages about why this story is important. We still have some to come, right? So, read your Bible. Be in the word. Let God speak to you. But then also, the beauty of Scripture and the story of the Gospel, pray. Praying is not some crazy ritual thing that we have to do to be good Christians. Praying is speaking to God. He is speaking to you. He's given us Scripture. He's given us community that speaks to us. Now we have the opportunity to speak directly to Him because of what Jesus did for us. When Jesus died on the cross, it tells us that the temple and the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was ripped in half, top to bottom, like a big, fat paper book. just Boom, done. And the reason that's so incredible, guys, is because previous to that, before Jesus died for us, if you walked into that room, into the presence of God, you died. That was what happened. If you thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to walk into God's presence, no, you die immediately. That's it. That went away. When Jesus died for us, he literally created the perfect relationship for us and God to have with each other through his sacrifice. So pray. Make use of that. It's a gift. It's a privilege. Do it. Because that is what's going to give you a better relationship with your Father, which is going to give you the discernment you need to know when it's right to be angry about something, what to do with your anger when you have anger. Okay? And lastly, in this Sunday School list of things to do, be a part of a Christian community. This right here that you guys are a part of every week is church. Like this is church, guys. And it's so, so, so good. Every week, we as your leaders, me, Alex, and Zeke, benefit just as much as you guys do just by being in your presence, watching you guys talk about life together, talking about life ourselves and sharing with you guys honestly and openly. This is what it's all about. And this would not be a thing that existed without Christ. So let this be a place for you to discern what to do with your anger whether anger is righteous or unrighteous. And so I want to give you guys, real quick, a couple examples of righteous anger because, first of all, Jesus got angry. It's in Scripture. Jesus got angry. What he did with his anger is everything, right? We shouldn't be okay with poverty. We shouldn't be okay with people living um, and barely being able to make ends meet, especially the people that we see day to day in our community. We have been called to serve. Right, not Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, and we're supposed to be like Jesus. So we are called to serve. We're called to give to those. We should be angry that people are suffering, that people can't make ends meet, and they can't live day-to-day lives comfortably, let alone, at all. Sometimes, like it's it's it should be upsetting to us. That's righteous anger. I think about some friends of mine that I graduated um, at Ozark with. They are now serving with a organization called Black Box International. Now, this is heavy, but again, this shouldn't make us pissed. Black Box International works as an organization to rescue sex-trafficked boys out of the Dominican Republic and several other places in the world. We should be pissed about this. We should hate that this exists, and then we should do something with it. When I talk about this anger, it's not just dwelling on our anger. Do what Christ did. Get angry and do for the kingdom, right? Give to these organizations. Be a part of these communities that serve and take care of people. Be angry that the problem exists, but don't just sit in your anger. Do something about it, right? So, again, this isn't all just calling you guys out. This is for us as well. I think this weekend is an excellent opportunity to be angry, to be angry that poverty exists, that people are living on the streets of Oklahoma. When you look outside and you see 30 cars in this neighborhood and know, man, if that dude just had 20 bucks a day, he would be a lot better off and we're all just kind of sitting in our wealth. Like, it, it hurts sometimes, right? It's, it, I feel called out very regularly by this, but I also know that it's an opportunity to serve, to get angry and do something about it. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more in small groups, but think about what you're angry about. Why are you angry? What are you doing with your anger? And then if you're concerned about it, which I think we all should be, let your discernment come from being close to God. Pray, read your Bible, be in this community of people who see this and want to hold each other accountable, all right? I love you guys. Let's pray together and we'll do some small groups. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this group. Thank you for their willingness to be here to serve each other, to serve each other well, but also, Lord, to go out to the community and to serve and be you, Jesus, to everybody around us. It's a blessing to even be able to do these things. But God, we know that it's, it's more than a blessing. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And it's also a calling. It's a mission. You've given us this mission to go out and to be you to the world around us. And when we see things like sin and anger and hate and all sorts of evil filling this world, we should be angry about it enough to do something about it. So we pray for righteous anger. We pray for closeness to you to let your eyes be the eyes that we use to discern whether we should be upset about something or not. Forgive us when our anger is selfish, when it's trivial when it's all about fairness and let us be angry about the right things Jesus thank you for being the perfect picture and image of love for us to follow help us to be that not just that group with our friends and people we're close to but to complete strangers who need your love and mercy we thank you so much for everything you've done for us and Jesus help us to do for others it's in your holy and precious name I pray Amen Yeah. yeah man that makes me angry